Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host for the ad space. My name is Kevin Estella and I'm fighting off a mean cold, not going to lie. This has definitely been a, a rough week here. I think it's just a seasonal cold. I don't think it's the Rona. I'm here to bring you guys some of the good folks that make this podcast totally possible because you know they are the ones that allow us to bring really cool guests to you and uh, we would appreciate if you could show them a little bit of support. So let me talk to you about a handful of them. First company is Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, Evan and the good folks over at Black Rifle Coffee, they're right over the hill in Salt Lake City. They're always helping us out at our events. We're going over to their events. Um, if you guys go walk around all the offices here at Fieldcraft, you'll find Black Rifle Coffee on pretty much everyone's desk. You'll find empty, ready to drink cans in everyone's car. Um, we all love Black Rifle Coffee. We all have different flavors that we all would say are like our, our preferred. Um, right now, I wish I could smell some of that black rifle coffee, um, but I'm just super congested, snotty and nasty. Um, but that is one of those smells that I do miss. Guys, if you do go to Black Rifle Coffee's website, which is www.blackriflecoffee.com and use the coupon code CRAFT15, you will absolutely uh, find something that you're going to want to buy because you're going to get 15% off uh, one-time purchases and this could um, be any number of their products, but it's going to exclude the new releases, uh, some of the bundles and some of the ready to drink coffee. Now, uh, please check them out. Take a look at their coffee club. Give those guys a little bit of your support. Another company that you should look into uh, are our good friends over at Triarch Systems. Now, if you're not familiar with Triarch, uh, Triarch is a custom firearms uh, manufacturer. So what they're going to do is they're going to take existing firearms and they're going to modify them to make them perform even better. Um, I always joke around and I say, I'm waiting for my try 11. At this point, I would just be happy uh, with feeling not so sick right now. But after I feel better, maybe I'll ask for that try 11 again. So go to their website. It's www.triarchsystems.com and use the coupon code FEELCRAFT and you're going to get 5% off of your order. Uh, if you guys have never shot any of their guns, any of the Triarch guns, uh, it's almost like a religious experience. These guns, they perform. Um, and, you know, we joke around, we talk about, you know, never mashing the trigger and, you know, having good trigger control. Well, a lot of pistols have triggers. Triarch systems pretty much have buttons. Uh, it's almost unfair how accurate you can be with a Triarch. So please check them out. Uh, the last company that I'd like you to check out before we get to this podcast is Vertex. Uh, website is vertex.com. That is V-E-R-T-X.com. Uh, right now, if you go to their site and use the coupon code Fieldcraft, you're going to get 20% off your order. Now, Vertex has you covered. If you are looking to carry, say, like a AR uh, caliber pistol uh, with like a pistol folding brace, um, yeah, you got you got everything you need at Vertex. Um, I have a number of the Vertex magazine pouches. It's just great for keeping your mags organized. Um, and I've been wearing Vertex pants in the great outdoors for a very long time. Vertex knows what they're doing uh, when it comes to designs, functional designs. And like I said, I've been wearing their stuff in the great outdoors for a long time. And I highly, highly recommend it. So please go to their site, which is vertex.com. And you'll find all sorts of stuff, bags, packs, you know, pants, shirts, you name it. So it'll definitely fit your lifestyle. All right, guys, let's get to this podcast. Here we go. 
Welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and today I am sitting down with Dan. Hello. How are you doing, Dan? Pretty good so far. Don't be so rigid, man. You're like, hello. <laughs> Relax. Um, so Dan sprawls. So Dan and I met in about 2013, 14, yeah. when I was a first sergeant at the uh, Army Special Operations, the RSOF, uh, the Special Operations Leadership School for young NCOs. And when I got there, uh, I was kind of shadowing the class before me. And I was like, what's this SOSEP thing, right? <laughs> so they explained it to me. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. So SOSEP stood stands for still uh, Special Operations Cognitive Enhancement and Performance. So it's yep. basically mental performance to help students on the Q course and in other schools in, in, in Army Special Forces to kind of uh, harness and structure their mindset, right? And correct me if I'm wrong here. Nope, You're like, that's not me. even close. No, man. no, you got it. You got it. All these years <laughs> so later, I'm trying you still to got it. <laughs> I'm trying to frame it for people who are trying to decide whether to turn this off or not, right? <laughs> right. So this is about mindset and mental performance. And it, it goes across the board to every single person listening, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I I'll tell you, in I feel like in the special operations world, we've kind of mastered the physical stuff, right? Yeah. We've got Thor 3. We've got all these strength and conditioning coaches, we got physical therapists, we've really figured out, we've really cracked the code on keeping guys in the fight and repairing them when they're broken. Yeah. But have not been so focused on the mental thing, right? Right. And let's be honest, the mind is fascinating. It controls everything. Can't do anything without your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and uh, like stamina comes from the mind. Yep. Stamina doesn't come from the body, yep. it comes from the mind. Yeah. And uh, so a couple of years ago, I, I don't know when it started. We, we'll get into that. Somebody in the special operations community said, hey, let's contract out yep. to bring these people in who, uh, I mean, the this, this sports industry have been doing it for years, right? They've been they've been, perf they've been uh, teaching and, and kind of educating people on mindset and, and, and yep. my, you know, uh, mental performance for years. So they're like, okay, we're kind of like a sports team almost, right? Tat tactical athletes. Is the team they like <laughs> yeah, to tactical around. athletes. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, uh, so somebody brought you in and it started, what year did it start? I think the program as a whole started in like 2007-ish time oh, frame. really? That uh, far it, back? It, the origins of the program came from actually uh, West Point, the uh, Army uh, College. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, it, it started there uh, as a proof of concept of working within the, the sports uh, programs at the school. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, oh, specifically for their like football team. And, yep. oh, okay, I yep, got you. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, it, it expanded from there as uh, sort of this idea, like you said, of, you know, really putting a focus on the mind before it breaks. Yeah. Right? Because mm -hmm. for the longest time... Uh, everything dealing with the mind or psychology was all like, all right, uh, addressing dysfunction, right? Yeah. Like, hey, like, let's ignore the mind until something goes wrong. And yeah. now we have to figure out how to fit, put this mess back mm -hmm. together. Much tougher. Yeah, and so the, <laughs> the military looking at just sort of the, the incidences of like uh, increased like uh, mental disorders and, you know, mm -hmm. trauma just from being in war said, hey, like, what can we do ahead of time? Oh, uh, so that's where it started. It didn't yeah. even start as like making you do your job better. It, right. it started as mentally... Uh, preparing you yes for for the trauma that's coming yeah, so interesting the, the, i didn't know that yeah, yeah to, go to, to get ahead of the bang right is what, is yeah. what they said yeah. and then uh so some of the initial sports psych stuff was embedded in that at west point but it was really like taking that and attaching it to this idea of enhancing resilience before the traumatic event happens mm -hmm. that's what made it spread uh throughout the army and so then a bunch of other institute uh, uh military institutions started standing up these programs 
And uh, when the one at Fort Bragg stood up, eventually special operations said, all right, we, we like this, we want it, but uh, we don't uh, we don't want to share it with the, uh, you know, everyone on Fort Bragg, we want our own program. Mm-hmm. So that's when the uh, Army Special Warfare Center and school stood up the SOSET program. What, uh, what year was that? I think that was around 2010-ish, okay. but I'm not 100% sure. So it's, it's been going for a while. And yeah. now, uh, uh, at least a couple of years ago, and I think this is still true, uh, the United States Army is the largest employer of sports psychology professionals in the country. Hmm. And so yeah. they saw what sports was doing and then yeah. decided, yeah. hey, we're going to get as in on that. As it should be. So, so what year did you come on board with SOSEP? Uh, 2013. Okay. And uh, what's your degree in? So I... Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in just general psychology, but then my master's degree is actually in sport and exercise sciences mm-hmm. with a focus on the mental aspects of performance. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So you come on board, uh, you get briefed, you probably knew nothing about special operations, <laughs> Oh, right? very little, and yeah. uh, other than what you see in like movies and yeah, video games. Which is all wrong, that, which yeah, is all fake. Wrong. It was yeah, a big, big yeah. learning curve. Um, yeah, nobody has a bow and arrow and an explosive charge <laughs> yeah. at the end of it, right? <laughs> right. Um, Although I wouldn't put past, I wouldn't put it past you guys oh, to actually if it could make be one. Done, you guys if would it do could, it. Yeah. If you need it or just were bored, I'm sure yeah, you guys could Yeah, if it make could be done, it would be done, yeah. Um, so you come on board, you get briefed, and, and you were hired by SWIC. So yep. for those that don't know, inside um, Army Special Forces, there's several elements. There's uh, uh, Special Forces, which is Green Berets. There's Ranger Regiment. There's uh, 160 in Aviation. And there's SWIC, which is the Special Warfare Center and School that controls selection, the whole Q course, all the advanced mm-hmm. schools, military free fall, CQB, sniper school, all those schools. Yep. And I don't know how many schools. There might be like 100 schools in there. So many. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a massive organization. Um, so that they're the guys who uh, kind of hired you guys, give yep. uh, contracted you guys to. And was it initially for the Q course only? I think it initially started within the language school as a learning enhancement oh, program. So, yeah. you know, language was uh, just a place where it was, um, you know, really demanding course. Uh, I think it's about six months long. Uh, yeah, it depends so, on the language, right? Yeah. And then uh, I went to French uh, four nice. months. <laughs> Good luck um, and then, but Mandarin, Chinese, and French, completely different sport. Yeah. Like completely different, right? Yeah. So and people I have. Some of them have never spoken another language yeah. in their life. So it was really demanding. Uh, it cost a lot, mm-hmm. you know, to, uh, to put someone through language yeah. school. And so in, in order to help get more soldiers through the language phase, I think that was the initial focus of the SOSET program. So was, it was a, a studying ha- enhancement, yeah. like how, how, to, how to focus, how to, yep. yeah, okay. Cool. And uh, there was still some of the, like the resilience training stuff in the sports psych, uh, like the focusing on the mental training. But mm-hmm. it really, I think, did start with the learning focus and then the program just built up momentum there and uh now it's spread throughout all of swick not mm-hmm. just the qualification courses but the advanced training schools also. okay so so let, let's walk it through as it evolved were you there when it started to evolve or how far had it gone when you got no, there I, it was still pretty small we i think we had a team of five or six of us mm-hmm. uh when i started um now the team's up to 13 okay so it's almost doubled but uh, it was pretty small we were only in a couple spots doing you know, real big group size classes to, to different of the courses in SWIC. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it, it evolved very quickly. And uh, each year we were doing more and new stuff. That's good, right? That, yeah. that job security. And, and how was it uh, received by the instructors <laughs> who pretty much know everything already? Let's oh, be man. honest. It's, it's a constant uphill battle. I bet uh, it was. I, yes. I knew the answer to that before. <laughs> I, I, it just, right. It just drives me crazy sometimes where, um, you know, okay, 
let's pretend you don't know everything, yeah. right? Let, let's just stop and maybe you don't know anything about this. So yeah. give it, let's give it a try, right? Yeah. And and what's the harm? Right. So, uh, what, 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 tell me, tell me some of the things people said, or I, I don't know if they said. Like I remember oh, when man. you guys came out to. Uh, WLC, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the first class you ran, I took the end of course critiques and I cut yes. and pasted all the comments onto onto two, good or bad. I still have those documents. Do you? By the way, right? Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to give you the truth because it's going to yep. make you better. And some yep. of those comments were hard. Oh, like, it was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal, man. <laughs> yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, uh, some deserved, some you know, just the yeah, thick-headed uh, people. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was brutal. Yeah. Well, was well, some of it was. I mean, again, young junior leadership yeah. in, in a leadership school, psh, got it all figured out. Yeah. I don't need this. I got that, right? So, um, yeah, and, and I remember reading it and go, well, this is BS, but I'm going to pass it on anyway, right? Yeah. Um, because I, I knew you guys would would, would pivot and, and try to try yeah. to learn as you go. Yeah. Um, what was the big pushback from instructors? Um, from the instructors specifically, uh a lot of times they'd be willing to give us time because it meant they could go off and do something yeah. else, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times it was just that it, they didn't see the, uh, direct application when we tried to introduce like a lot of, Hey, this is why we're telling you yeah. how to do these skills. You know, the, they saw it as just like a, you know, an academic yeah. brief and not really a, did you hear the one that I, I, I hate this? Well, I didn't have that. You know what I mean? When <laughs> I was, I yeah. hate that, you know? Yeah. Um, that's funny. Yeah. The, um, so when you came in initially, where did you initially work? What, what, what courses did you work at? You guys didn't do selection at all, right? That was, no, so you're on had, your own for selection. We observed, uh, assessment and selection just to know what the soldiers went through before we started working with them. But, uh, as the mental training program, we tried to really separate ourselves from the other psychological services, like the behavioral health or the operational psychs that actually mm-hmm. did like the personality assessments at mm-hmm. assessment and selection, because I'm not a licensed psychologist. Yeah. Right? My, I don't believe in them anyway. I, I passed <laughs> yeah. them. So how good could you, you be? Through, you got through the cracks. <laughs> I did. And, and I had to do one at selection. I had to do another one in sniper school. Oh, so yeah. You had to do, yeah. I mean, come on, man. It's like, yeah. like 300 questions, right? Yeah. Do you like flowers? No. Yeah. So, uh, would you like to be a florist? No. <laughs> Do you ever think about hurting yourself? Ooh, there's a red oh, flag. Yeah. Let me say <laughs> no really to that one. To that one. <laughs> there was yeah. a guy in selection with me who had to go see the shrink, right? Because uh-huh. he answered one and it said, uh, "Do you ever see things that other people don't see?" Well, that's a red flag, right? And he put yes. And he was like, oh, I, I, you know, sometimes we'd be driving on a car down the road and I'll see a deer. Right. And, and dude, it's not like, you're not going to impress them with your observation skills. Right? Uh, <laughs> so I was say, that question is actually something I would want to train someone to answer yes in. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I want you to see more. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we tried very, uh, to be very deliberate about separating like, hey, my job is not to decide who should and shouldn't be a Green Beret, uh-huh. right? That's on you know, yeah. you, the cadre, mm-hmm. the Sykes, all that, they say yes or no. Our job is just, hey, give us a soldier and we will do our best to train them in mental skills that will help them perform. Okay. So we didn't do much with uh, assessment and selection. Right. So uh, where, where did you guys start or, or where did you start specifically? So uh, the Warrior Leader course was actually yeah. my, the first uh, course that I was sort of given responsibility when for. When I was there or before yep. I got there? No, so I, it was, oh. uh, I started, I think, right around the same time you Okay, did. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was my first uh, sort of responsibility. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I think it was seen as, hey, these are younger soldiers, so mm-hmm. let's put the new guy with the new soldiers. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, well, it, it, yeah. it's, you get so much, it's easier with younger soldiers usually, yeah. and it's, uh, you get more benefit. And if you can, if you can give them skills early on yeah. that they can carry on through their career, then it makes, just makes sense. That, that was my thought uh, mm-hmm. when I started working there also, is that uh, I really liked having sort of the, you know, to be the first presentation of these guys as they were entering the yeah. whole qualification versus mm-hmm. like, man, uh, I really saw my goal even separate from the individual skills that I was teaching uh, at that course. Just hey, like, it was my opportunity to get these guys on board with just mm-hmm. the idea of mental training mm-hmm. because we would see them all through the rest of the qualification course. And I just had it in my mind. I was like, man, if I mess this up here yeah. or if I do something and you, you know, all it. these guys say, oh, this is the dumbest stuff ever. Mm-hmm. Now, every other class we give them later on is going to be an uphill battle. So I yeah. really just wanted to overall set the idea of like, hey, your mind is important. There's things you can do to train. It. Mm-hmm. And I hope that my hope was they would leave that course more motivated to engage in some training, yeah, whether I, they came to us or just pursued it on their own. Yeah. I, I, like I said earlier, it, it's, a, it's a new thing right now. It's, it's yeah. refocused even more now than it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And if you can... You just put your ego aside and yep. go, okay, maybe I can learn something here. Uh, how, like if you were briefing uh, a student body, no matter what it is, how important is it to get like the NCIC's buy-in before oh, they brief, right? To go, hey, put your ego aside, check it out. Yeah. Maybe you learn something or, you know, the opposite of that is going, I don't know why these guys are here. Yep. You know, yeah, yep. I, I, I'm forced to do this, you know, <laughs> go ahead and take a nap. Oh, the the uh, the other cadre and like just the command structure who is giving us time to teach mm-hmm. the uh, the soldiers in the course like their buy-in was I'd say the most important thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's what is so great working with you because you would always you know sort of set the stage like mm-hmm. hey hey listen to us because you know the the soldiers they want to be you right that's yeah. what they're there for they're mm-hmm. trying to become you know the the guys that are teaching them in mm-hmm. the courses and so. If, you know, they're looking up to you and they hear you saying like, ah, this isn't important or like, you know, just doing a surface level. Hey, it's important. Listen to it. But then not showing any investment yourselves. Yeah. They're going to do the same thing. Yeah. Right. So being able to look at, see, hey, these are guys I'm trying to be like, I want to have the Green Beret and they're buying into this. They're important. Uh, They see a lot of value in it. Um, That was something I always tried to get uh, to make sure that, hey, if I had time, that it wasn't just this thing that was forced on the Mm -hmm. course. But it was actual buy-in time that uh, yeah. whoever the cadre were. Said, it's like anything else. You know, the more you 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 invest in it, the more you're going to get from it. And I imagine yeah. as a young soldier trying to go through selection on the qualification course, <laughs> I'd be like, "Give me everything. I'll take any help I can get." Yeah, and that that was there, you know. But uh, an observation I had over the last eight years was uh, oftentimes the biggest uphill battle was with those guys that just got out of assessment and selection. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think they might have thought like, oh, I, I made it through assessment and selection. Like they don't, maybe they didn't have the real performance experiences where they realized exactly how important the mind was or mm. could make the connections. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, they usually, it was a, a, a tougher sell for them. Uh, Do you, is it is it a, no, it's probably not. I was going to say, is it a generational? Is it like a younger, younger kind of, uh, you know? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I, I tend not to put too much uh, yeah. credit into the whole generational differences I, I, thing. I don't need it because I, I, I think there is something there. For sure. Th- there's ways they learn that, that guys yeah. like me didn't learn that way. Or, or um, the, I think their attention span is absolutely shorter. Yes. Um, but I, I do know from experience of 
being the first hour at WLC and seeing those kids come through. Yeah. Honestly, they're smarter than we were. They're they're better in better shape than yes. we were. Um, they're more focused probably than we were, and there's probably not as big a criminals as we were. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I'm kidding. I, I, I think that's the important thing that I think often gets missed in the whole generational con, uh, yeah. conversation is people love to point out how the younger generation is worse than the uh, yeah, current generation. It's not true. Ones. It's not. In, in the case of selection, a new Green Beret is coming into the force. It's yeah. not true. I've seen it. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're like we, it, it's not all. 22 year old kids with, with an yeah. attitude and an entitlement, right? A lot of them yeah. have college degrees. A lot of them are super fit. They're like freaking athletes. Yeah. And uh, they're there for the right. We, they're under no illusion of what they're getting into, yep. right? After 9 11, <laughs> nobody should no, be. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're not better. They're not worse. They're just different. Yeah. I just, so. I just, they are different and, and, and they learn differently yes. and, and they, uh, they absorb information differently, and, and I think if you don't acknowledge that, then you, then you're you're just making it harder for yourself. Yeah, uh, Microsoft actually did a, a sort of a study a couple of years ago that looked at these generational differences in cognitive abilities and found that yeah, no surprise that anyone younger people or just people that use screens yep. more. Uh, have shorter attention spans. I think I have now than I yeah. used to have, right? I mean, I used to read a book, like cover to right. cover, in that order. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and now order. I'm just like, yeah, 10 seconds, whoop, swipe. Yeah. I, I, it, your brain gets retrained. Yeah, but the one of the surprising things that come out to that, from that study was showing that, yeah, they have shorter attention spans, but they encode more information into memory in that yeah. amount of time. So okay. they're actually pulling more information out in a quicker manner, which is why they don't necessarily have to focuses that for would as make long. sense that yeah, would make so it's, sense, it's a trade-off it's yeah. not just a good yeah. or bad thing it's, yeah it's that would make sense as, as you look at the screen you're you're absorbing massive amounts yep. of information instantly yeah whereas you read a book you're reading it word for word <laughs> yep. that, yeah, yeah yeah that's that's interesting hey guys we're just going to interrupt this podcast just for a second to bring you one of our sponsors and that sponsor is headspace please go to headspace.com forward slash fieldcraft and you will get a free one month trial uh, of what Headspace provides. Now, some of the folks here at Fieldcraft uh, utilize Headspace because they would like to be able to sleep better, focus better, act, simply be better. Um, and Headspace is a program that you can get involved with that will help you feel healthier, happier, and more present pretty much in your every single day life. Um, here's the thing. It's so easy to get your mind cluttered with a lot of distractions, Headspace is there uh, to help you kind of refocus and recenter. So please go to their site, headspace.com forward slash fieldcraft. So as as you you did WLC, what else were you working on at that time? Were so, you guys assigned certain courses as a group? Yeah, so, uh, each so, I, so I had like you and Abby, Abby. and uh, Alicia, I think her name yep. was. Alicia yeah, came yeah, out to help. Yeah, I think I had mostly those you yep. three, right? And so yeah. I, every person in the uh, SOSEP program, we were assigned uh, different courses as our main responsibility. And uh, first, everyone sort of, everyone did everything because mm -hmm. it was... You know, we weren't as widespread and integrated, but as we got more places in SWIC and the team grew, um, we each had between, say, three to five main courses okay. that were responsible. So uh, the Warrior Leader course was my first one. The uh, 18 Charlie course, the Special Forces mm -hmm. Engineers, that was another uh, one of the early ones uh, that I got involved in. And for the first year or two, it was really those two big ones where I spent most of my time. Oh, and uh, plus the uh, Special Forces Orientation course, just when guys... Mm -hmm 
got out of assessment selection, finished warrior leader course, just their first step. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. so it was those main three ones that I- All right, really so talk on. to me about what you learn at school yeah. as opposed to what you learned dealing with these guys who are, they're a little different. <laughs> oh, they're, they're special. They're <laughs> yeah, training they, to be special. They are, yeah, <laughs> right. they are. People laugh because you, you train these guys to be risk takers, to be to be like hard chargers, and then you get shocked when they punch somebody in a bar because you yeah. talk, talk shit to them, right? Like, like <laughs> that's the package they come in, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, when you, when you, as you, as you move forward based on, you know, your education mm-hmm. and, and dealing with the, 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 the truth on the ground as, yeah. as it were, you know? Yeah. So in school, you know, there was a, learned a lot of information, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, coming out with it, it was like, all right, there is very clearly, it's like I knew skills that would help, right? Or that, that's what I thought at least. And uh, a lot of the uh, more like traditional or uh, really common approaches to sports psychology, it's like, oh, there's five big mental skills that you can do. And like, uh, just as a practitioner, if you can explain these skills really well, help people start engaging them, that's all you need to do, right? And so, for example, like skills like how to control your activation level, how to control what you're paying attention to, um, how to control your internal self-talk processes, uh, how to use imagery and mental visualization to prepare for things. And then uh, this idea of pre-performance routines. So how do you mentally go through some procedure in your mind to prepare you to perform? And all these had sort of very tech, like not technical, but very set uh, procedures that you would go through in order to address those five things. And so when I got out of school, I was just thinking, all right, cool. Where can I teach these things? And it was, was more, it, were those five things based on the sports world? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. And even more from the, more so on just like general psychology. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was, uh, the field really started looking at psychology from a, a mental health perspective and just seeing like, all right, well, can some of these things that help people, you know, address mental health issues also be useful for people that have no mental health issues. And mm-hmm. so, uh, it was, yeah, from the field of psychology as it had been applied to to sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I showed up, I realized very quickly that um, all right, a lot of these guys uh, have a history of performance. You know, it's like they got through assessment and selection, so they probably don't need too, too much of like the idea of, hey, like what do you say to yourself, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, uh, like, or just breathing techniques. You know, a lot of them are already did all these things and that uh, the real world performance, especially special operations training, um, it's not so cut and dry. You mm. can't just take, you know, this block of knowledge and drop it in and just talk about it in a very general way. And all of a sudden someone's brain is going to be better at uh, much more problem solving and nuance had mm. to come into it. And a lot of problems came up that uh, I really didn't learn much about in school. So like sleep, for example, mm. you know, just how to um, how sleep influences cognitive performance came up a lot uh, at SWIC uh, or critical thinking. I don't. I don't have a, another a, one. I don't have a, a college degree in psychology. Yeah, but sleep's important. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I know sleep deprivation. Yes. Sucks, and it 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 jacks you up like in in a, yeah. in, a, in a in a very real way. Like like completely. Um, I've, I've seen people, and I've probably done stuff that I you would not believe. Yeah, you know, I, I, I haven't slept for a couple yeah. of days. Well, that's the thing. I. Sleep, you know, when we're tired, we feel it, right? Yeah. F- so sleep feels like it's something that we need for the body, right? To recover the body. But sleep is a brain state. Sleep is something that the brain does for the brain. And so it's really, yeah, it feels bad when you're sleep deprived and it feels a lot better when you're well rested. But it's not so much about the body. It's way more to do with the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, how well you're learning, how well you're able to remember things, how well you're able to keep your attention, 
On yeah, how, like, and, and it's such a realistic thing for combat, right? Yeah. Because you ain't getting it hours a day, yeah. a night in combat, right? And, um, how well you process information very, very quickly to be able to yes. react to something. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, uh, and it's part, it's part of every course. Yep. In special operations. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things I think everyone knows sleep is important, right? Like you're not blowing a lot of minds by, mm -hmm. by making that claim. Uh, but people would come up and often say like, all right, cool. I need to, I want to deal with sleep. Or I want training to, you know, unsleep deprive myself. And mm. unfortunately, like there's some things you can do to make sleep deprivation not affect you potentially as much. But in the end, like there's no magic trick to get around being sleep deprived. Like it comes you, down you to can, just sleeping yeah. more. You can bridge it with, yeah. with, um, lots and lots of caffeine or some yep. other things, but yep. eventually it's going to win. It's going to get you. Yeah. Your it body is, will yeah. it'll shut you down. It will. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about, uh, I don't know if you guys have looked into this, but I remember doing deployments where we walked reverse cycle and mm. we, we were up all night hitting yeah. targets and sleeping during the day and we never saw the sun. And <laughs> I just felt drained after yeah. a couple of months, you know? Yeah. Have you guys looked into that at all? Uh, so we didn't look specifically at that while within the uh, SOSEP program, mm -hmm. but um, there is some research coming out now looking at just uh, light exposure and sleep. So for example, uh, NASA, one of their big studies is just looking at how to control light on the space station or in shuttles to help regulate that in astronauts who yeah, they, they might get the normal sleep schedule, but they don't have exposure to light, mm. like you were saying. So yeah. light is very important. Um, there's some research that does show that about within an hour after sunrise and within an hour before sunset, there's something about that frequency of light that if you spend time just literally outside looking at light during that time, it helps regulate some of your mm. biological uh, processes. So as opposed to like if you're working all night, going to sleep before the sun comes up? If you just wait until the sun comes up and then go to bed, is that what well, you're it's saying? More, so when the, the sun is rising, uh, if um, the the light at that level, like yeah. right, af it's right after you wake up, if you get exposed to light at that frequency, like when the sun is rising, mm -hmm. it helps wake you up. Okay. And when the sun is setting, uh, getting exposed to that, again, it helps to, to um, mm. bring you back down to sleep. So I wouldn't say if you've been up all night to see the sun before mm. you're going to bed that might uh mm. work against you might help reawaken you but something about uh this is where like the artificial lighting and the study nasa would uh is looking at would be all right could we just expose you to light that mimics what you would have seen mm -hmm. if you had a normal sleep schedule right. but now just it's tricking just the brain yeah yeah exactly. um so what are the big challenges you saw with guys going through the, I know every course is different yeah. and, and you know, uh, we had a, a special operations preparation course here last weekend and Dan yep. did a block of instruction on it, which is very well received. And I remember you talking about guys overthinking things yes. and I bet that's probably a big problem Huge. in SF, right? Huge. Cause there is a lot on the line, right? Yeah. Like you go to sniper school and you fail a gate, like a, a, a shooting test, mm -hmm. then you get one retest and then you're done. That's it. You're going home yeah, and you're probably it. never going to get that slot again. So there is a lot riding on it and it's not your whole career, mm -hmm. uh, but guys do overthink and I've seen that a lot. Yeah. Overthinking is huge. Uh, I think it's, it's funny as uh, our, my job title at SOSEP was a, a cognitive performance coach, right? Cognitive, just fancy word for thinking, mm -hmm. right? But uh, most of the training I would do would actually not was not focused on training people to think better. It was actually just training them to think less, right. you know, to not yeah. get so caught up in these thought processes where they had to think themselves out of a situation, mm -hmm. but rather just, hey, focus on the world around you and w take action. Wouldn't you say that, that uh, the more proficient you are at a task, then, then the less you would have to think about yeah. it, right? If you're really good at yeah. shooting, 
maybe you can turn that brain off um, yeah. to shoot, right? But what about a guy who's not that proficient? Uh, he's 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 proficient, but he's not at that point where he can just go into a flow state and turn it off and, and perform. Yeah, and so uh, the last couple of years, actually, what I, the way I worked uh, at SOSEP was less of direct instruction to um, the individual performers in the courses and more working with cadre about, hey, how do you design the training environment mm-hmm. to help them get, you know, mm-hmm. go from that less proficient state to the more automatic state? Because mm-hmm. um, uh, you're exactly right. When you're high levels of performance, you don't need thinking really, yeah. especially when it's a movement, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a, a movement in a dynamic changing environment where you have to respond very quickly and, you know, with, you know, complex yeah. action. Uh, perception. Well, we, we've seen that in, in Sephoric, right? Where yep. that's that like CQB, hostage rescue school, where when guys are hitting a house, initially yeah. they're very tunnel vision. They don't see yeah. all the targets. And then just the more you do it, the more you do it, the more that, you know, yep. um, field of view opens up and yep. they can process information. And some guys never get there, right? But no. um, a, a lot of guys can be trained to open up that field of view. Exactly. I'd say the Becoming more skilled is the process of training your perception to tune into the right things. Because right. if your perception can pick up on the right things in the environment, it's real easy for that to then translate into action without you having to think about it. But an individual that isn't that proficient, hasn't been trained, they don't know what to tune into. They don't know what perceptually is is important in the mm-hmm. situation. So that's when thinking starts to come in. If your perception doesn't have anything to give you, you try to think about it and you're using your thoughts to control your actions and figuring out what should I do right now. And so from a training perspective, the goal for a, you know, someone just learning a skill is to help them move very quickly from that thought-based control of what they're doing to a perceptual-based control. Right, so, so you're like almost skipping the step where you do hundreds of repetitions yeah. to kind of train your brain. Uh, yeah. I, I think CQB is a great analogy, right? It was right? my favorite course to work with because it's such an awesome context yeah. for this type of training. Yeah, you, you you enter a room and you got three targets and you quickly got to assess yep. who's the threat. And then if they're all three a threat, who's the biggest threat? Yep. And who's the second biggest? Because yeah. I got to engage them all, right? And and it's, it's massive amounts of information. Yeah. Very, very quickly. And if you design a training course poorly or, um, you know, on a poorly designed training can have unintentional consequences of that it allows the performer to uh, stay with that thought-based control for mm-hmm. longer than they need to. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, it's learning a bad habit. It's learning like, uh, all right, yeah. uh, my, I can think a lot about this. I know what I need to do and I'm using my thinking to memorize certain steps or to, to guide my action because they never really learn to fully pick up on that perceptual Unless they're forced to do it. Yeah. Earlier on in the process. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I think for, for an early person, I, it'll be harder at first. And that's something that uh, sort of a bit of an obstacle or there's some resistance to or when I'd advocate for types of training that help people tune into the environment better rather than think through it. Uh, it doesn't look like they're uh, in increasing their skill as fast. Mm. It looks like they're just not learning. Right. It's through that initial failure of doing things wrong and realizing like, hey, if I pay attention to this, I fail. If I pay attention to this, I fail. But oh, guess what? When I pay attention to this, it's a little bit easier to to do the action, or I know what decision to make a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. And so it's that process of just learning what in the environment matters to pay attention to, and then once they start to pick up on that and tune into that, that's when they can really start to tone down the thinking, not be as wrapped up in their head, and focus yeah. more it's on like taking you're, action. You're, again, in the CQB analogy, it's like you're ignoring everything irrelevant, yeah. and you're just focusing on the threat, right? Yeah. Um, 
I don't think you worked there, but I, I'm sure some of your colleagues did. Like free fall would be another one, right? Right. When people jump out of the plane. Screensaver and mode. They're, yeah. <laughs> and they're falling to their death. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I was in school, they, they, and I they, when I went to school here, I'd already jumped in Ireland and I, I'd already, but I remember when we went to school and they showed us all the malfunctions and all yeah. that. And they're like, yeah. basically, when you jump out of that plane, you're dead. You have 40 <laughs> seconds to save your own life, right? That's a good frame. That's a good pep talk, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um we're going to kill you. Go save yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what they have is the, the guys will exit and they'll get, and you're supposed to get on a heading and do right. all these different things, but they'll lose their brain. will just shut down and they'll get tunnel vision and yep. they're, they're just not there. Right. Yep. And, uh, I mean, they give them a couple of goes to, to, to get them tuned back in and they, they ramp it up slowly. Yep. But I imagine that's the same thing where I'm so overthinking this yes. thing that I just shut that. Is that where freezing comes from? Where, where like fight or flight kind of thing? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a couple of different pathways that can lead to someone freezing, but mm -hmm. uh, overthinking can definitely be one. The whole idea of paralysis by analysis, yes. right? Um, yeah. Straight up sensory overload could be another where even if somebody isn't thinking a lot where they are trying to tune into their environment, it's just such a new environment to them. They've never been in it. So they have no idea what information is important. So they're trying to perceive what's going on, but it's all chaos yeah. to them. And so, uh, I never worked at the military freefall school, but uh, I did take a trip down there to and talked with uh, a lot of the instructors in the different courses. And yeah, they, they talked about the the screensaver mode mm -hmm. and how, yeah. you know, there's some students uh, or soldiers going through the training there. They would, uh, so the way they do it is uh, a cadre would have, I think three uh, soldiers in training assigned to them and they would just do continuous jumps, right? Mm -hmm. And the cadre would jump out after them to make sure that if they don't save their own life, the cadre yep. will. Mm -hmm. And they said there's some instances where they would jump out and the person would just sit there, sit there, sit there. Cadre would come up, do all the procedures, pull their chute, get them down to the ground. Afterwards, they would talk to them like, all right, how do you think that uh, went? And they'd be like, oh, it was great. It was great. And it was like, well, <laughs> yeah. you did nothing but fall to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did everything else. So there's just yeah. such a kind yeah. of overload or lack of awareness that mm -hmm. uh, they didn't even realize they did absolutely nothing while falling right. through the air. And yeah, so, and these are high-performing guys, you know? Yeah, it's, it's not, not yeah. some random mm -hmm. some random guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's... So let's say... Let's say somebody's pumping gas in the middle of the night in a bad mm -hmm. neighborhood and somebody comes running towards them and they freeze. Is right. that sensory overload? I think it could be. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of... Uh, just never been in that environment. Yep. Trying they, to process the information. Yeah, they're just... The, they might be tuned in to what's yeah. going on. They might very clearly see what's happening. And it's just, it's not meaningful to them. They yeah. don't know, all right, well, I see this. What action is the right thing to do? And mm -hmm. so it could just be straight up sensory overload. It could then also lead into just the, the overthinking, the indecision, the, the doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, there's a lot of ways like they the don't brain believe it. wrong. Like they don't believe what's happening? Is that what you're talking about, doubt? Or just uh, they don't know the right action to take. Like, right. Yeah. Should I should I run? Should I get in my car? Should yeah. I fight this dude? Should I start screaming? I, All know, of the what? above. Yeah. What yeah. what what do I do? And because yeah. the, you know, maybe they recognize what's going on, but yeah. they just don't have a prepared action for that because they've never had to associate that perceptual experience with some sort of action response mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. So they just they yeah. That's, that's why simulators are good in, in a lot yes. of cases. Simulators yes. train your brain. And your brain really doesn't know the difference, right? Like at a, at in a, a deep good simulator, level, in, in a, a good, good simulator, simulator. yeah, yes. yeah. You you can learn the procedures and all that, yes, um, without actually being there. Yeah. For, so going back to the free fall example, the uh, the wind tunnel. Yes. You know, it's yeah, great piece of training technology. Yeah. There, awesome simulator to at least practice the movements in an environment that is as close to uh, 
the environment of falling out of a plane as we can get, yeah. but not as far from the ground. We did similar in Ireland when I went to free fall school. Yeah. It was an airplane and we took it up to 13,000 feet and we yeah. pushed people out and they, they got to simulate falling, yeah. actually falling. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had no simulator. Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, we're just going to interrupt this podcast to bring you one of our sponsors and that is 10,000. Their website is 10,000.cc. And if you use the coupon code FEELCRAFT, you're going to get 15% off. I've been using 10,000 shorts for a very, very long time. Uh, I've been hiking with them here in Utah. I've been taking them up into the mountains and using them on super hot days, not only as running shorts, but also swimming shorts when I jump into these creeks and these ponds that I find up in the hills. Um, their seven-inch tactical short is pretty much my go-to. And they actually have like internal... Um, like attached compression shorts. So it's a great clothing option for a very active lifestyle, again, for backpacking or what have you. Um, there are been a lot of folks who have used 10,000 shorts. Um, it's not just me, it's a lot of the folks here at Fieldcraft and a lot of other folks uh, out there that you may wanna pay attention to. You know, a bunch of Navy SEALs, Marine Raiders, Army Green Berets, uh, Rangers, Air Force Special Ops, um, there are a whole bunch of guys that are using 10,000 shorts uh, when they have some downtime to to cross train. So please check them out. The website is 10,000.cc. Coupon code is Fieldcraft, and you'll get 15% off of your order. What are the what are the techniques that that you've learned over the last couple of years that have helped guys and and could help? The average citizen out there yeah. who doesn't do this, like what what are some of the things they can do to to build a little bit of mental resilience and, right. and, and kind of, you know, tune their brain in to perform better? Yeah. So as we've just been talking about, this idea of uh, freezing is often related to just overthinking things, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's doubt, uh, just paralysis by analysis, or just, you know, who knows what your mind is doing, but just the overthinking can be a big performance issue. And uh, oftentimes when we get caught up in thinking, we aren't really aware of it. You know, it's like mm -hmm. our, our, our self-awareness of what our mind is doing disappears. So do you have a good example? Um, yeah. So just think about uh, mind wandering, you know, you're, you're reading a book and uh, sitting in a comfortable environment, you know, in your favorite chair or wherever, and mm -hmm. you start at the top of the page and all of a sudden, like you're a couple pages back and you didn't even realize that you had started thinking about something else and mm -hmm. not, and stopped reading the book. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. just your, your mind will start creating thoughts and just take your awareness away with it. And uh, it can be really hard to, to realize, oh, I started doing something else with my mind rather yeah. than what I uh, People do it driving to. all the time. Yeah, driving's, I I another, driving's another great one. All of a sudden you're go, home. Yeah, and, yeah. did I go through that town? I don't remember <laughs> yeah. that town, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so uh, that's something our mind just does by default. It's a sort of its natural state is to wander. You know, it always wants to, to be stimulated or find something interesting. And uh, we just don't realize it happens, mm -hmm. uh, even in comfortable situations, right? And so one of the basic things I train people um, almost regardless of what type of performance they're getting into is just to have a greater awareness of what their mind is doing so they can realize when they stop being aware of what's going on around them and they start thinking and get wrapped up in thought mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of this is based on like very very basic um, mindfulness or meditation practices and i use that word hesitantly because it's it's becoming a little bit more accepted but i know mm -hmm. a good deal of people um associate that with you know 
hippies under waterfalls and crystals and you know, I've stuff done, like that. You know, I've done meditation when I was young. Yeah. You're looking at me like, I, I no way. I did, well, I, did mar- I did martial arts for years. Oh, awesome. And part of that was meditation. Yeah. And I really didn't understand why. I think it was yeah. just killing time. But, <laughs> I, you know, my mind would wander. But I got to the point where I could, I could, you know, shut everything down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I could get some benefit from it. Yeah. But I wasn't like, you know on a new plane like uh, yeah, you know what I mean like so that's why I use the words hesitantly yeah, last time or very, this community. very lightly because it's not about you know transcending the mysteries of the universe or like connecting your mind to some weird you know I'm not trying to make people Buddhist yeah, or anything yeah. but uh, just the basic awareness principles or practices of alright can I spend time watching my mind to learn how my mind functions so that from moment to moment I know more about what's happening right now that I think is not just supported by, you know, these ancient practices, but there's a lot of science that shows that's mm. a beneficial thing to do. Yeah. And then, then you can, you can, uh, you can train your brain yeah. you, uh, when you catch it wandering, you can reset it. Yep. And then the next time it, it goes a little longer, a little longer, a little yep. longer. Yeah. Um, I'll try to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, so on, Saturday when you were teaching in mm-hmm. there and you, you talked about flow state, right? Yeah. And I jumped in and I'm like, hey, all you guys should think, <laughs> I am like the least hippie person you'll ever meet in your life. I but it. when I was climbing, when I was rock climbing a lot, I used yeah. to go into a flow state where it was yeah. almost, and again, it's easier to get there, I think, if you're very proficient, but yep. I used to just shut my brain down. It was all about the next grip, the next rock, the yeah. next, and, and kind of, I've been like that in combat too, in, in yep. gunfights and stuff like that. I, I think... It's a real thing. It absolutely yeah. is a real thing. Can you explain flow state for me? Yeah, so a little bit of history behind it. Um, I think it was back in the 70s when the researchers started looking into this, but uh, they just wanted to know, all right, when people are at their best, whether it's performing at their best or just feeling the most fulfilled and satisfied, uh, sort of what's going on inside their head. So they interviewed performers from all different kinds of walks of life. So not just athletes, but, you know, military, law enforcement, um, performing artists, uh, businessmen, I think even parents mm-hmm. were included in this. And they found that- reg- the toughest one of all. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they found that regardless of where the performer was coming from, when they described what it felt like to be at their most fulfilled or at their best, there were very similar characteristics to that. And they called that flow state. Mm-hmm. So basically a flow state occurs when your attention is 100% on the task at hand, like mm. on the action that you're doing. And uh, it's also, it occurs usually when uh, the task you're engaged in is just a little bit beyond a rate past the edge of your current capability. And mm. so you have to focus mm. 100% or else if you don't, you won't achieve the task. You or, know, you'll, or you'll die. Yeah. In or the you'll case die. of rock climbing. Yeah. And yeah. so when, when you get into sort of those two conditions where... Uh, a task just beyond your reach of what where you think your current skills are pulls your attention all the way into it then these weird things start to happen where uh sort of the your your awareness of yourself and the action that you're doing kind of merge together where it's mm-hmm. literally like your mind becomes the action right mm-hmm. uh you lose this uh sense of self-awareness we're not evaluating what you're doing anymore because that takes mental energy and all your energy is on the task that you're doing so there's very little conscious thought and during this state this is when um you know things just seem to happen on their own it's it's very, autopilot yeah it's very mm-hmm. effortless it's like you don't have to force people, things I, to happen I used to get it just running happen. as well when i yeah. ran a lot 
I'd get to that point where I'd just be like, it was almost my feet, like, almost not touching the ground, right? I yeah. was gliding along in autopilot. Exactly. And my mind was yep. just, yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very therapeutic feeling. Like, it feels great. That's yeah. another one. It's like uh, across the board, when you experience flow state, it's a very pleasant Feeling. It is. And yeah. uh, usually you're not aware that you're in flow state until after it's over. Yeah. It feels yeah. like stepping out of the matrix. Right? Yeah. Where it's it like, really oh, does. Oh man, I just, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really does. That's a great way to describe it. That that your mind is totally focused on the neck, the yep. task and everything else. Nothing else exists. Yeah. The rock climbing uh, example is an interesting one because there's a book called uh, The Rise of Superman. Yeah. which uh, explores flow state in the context of uh, adventure sports. The guy who wrote that was on Joe Rogan, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. And so uh, the, he talks about a study that was done with rock climbing in terms of decision-making and mm -hmm. just on your average route, how many correct decisions you have to make in order to get to the top of mm -hmm. that route. And uh, I think he broke it. It was a couple hundred right decisions mm -hmm. you have yeah. to make, right? And it's just he described flow state in that context as automatic decision-making mm -hmm. where it's like, you don't have to think deliberately about each new hold where to go. It's just, Hey, you can see the route ahead of you. Perception takes over. And because, you know, you have that trained awareness of what different, you know, rock faces actually mean, what uh, actions they, uh, they afford to you. Mm -hmm. Um, you're able to just use your perception to, to follow the path up rather than thinking about yeah. each decision. Um, yeah. That's that, another one. If you overthought it, you'd be stuck on the side of the rock with the, yeah. with the, with the, with the, with the sewing machine leg going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Have with you, the, uh, have you seen the movie, uh, Free Solo? Mm -mm. Oh man. So it's, uh, Alex Honnold, the guy that, uh, he, uh, climbed, I think it was El Capitan, just a giant, you know, yeah. uh, no rock ropes. face, no ropes. Yeah. That's not, I used to it's climb at no ropes when I was young and very, yeah. very dumb Yeah, because anybody can slip and you slip once and you're done. Dude, right? It's, it's an awesome movie. You should definitely, yeah, definitely yeah, watch this because, yeah. uh, A, it's shot beautifully. And so it really mm -hmm. puts you in a perspective where you realize this guy is just by himself yeah. climbing up this massive rock yeah. face. And, uh, he's, the first and maybe the only person to ever do this without any ropes. And uh, in the documentary, the first time he was planning to do the walk or to do the climb, he uh, starts it and gets, I don't even know if it was a quarter of the way up, like very early on, he, he bails. He yeah. bails. It's like, nope, not, not doing this. And he said he chalked it up to the fact that there was just so much attention on it. You know, it was being filmed, it was being mm. recorded, and it's just he was thinking too much he got caught yeah. up in his head and that just it didn't seem that the path didn't open up for him he felt it felt too effortful mm -hmm. so he had the awareness to realize i'm in my head my thoughts are taking over i can't see the path the way forward um i'm it's not not safe to do it so yeah. it's a great example of these principles that yeah I, I i yeah uh, i brought this up on saturday but when i used to shoot competitively a lot with a pistol yeah um and i used to ipa me and michael used to shoot it together a lot but uh I used to always be, you know, we were, it was hammered into us, front side, front side, front side, yeah. front side, right? So I would always be extremely accurate and, and usually the most accurate, mm -hmm. but I'd never win because I was thinking about every shot and going yep. to front side. And then one time I was just like, I'm just going to burn it down, man. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, you know, I just get a sense of it, alignment, shoot, move yeah. as fast. And I did, I think I won that match, right? Awesome. And it was the first time ever I was like, <laughs> oh, I, something's wrong here. Yeah. Like this is not supposed to happen. But uh, I, I was just, I was too, I was, I was thinking too much about it. I yeah. was trying to go to my front side post to be like, you don't have to shoot him right in the, right yeah. in the middle of the head. You can right. hit him anywhere. You hit the target anywhere in the head. So I was overthinking it and, yep. and I wasn't in that kind of automatic mode. Yeah. Cause uh, don't get me wrong. I, 
thinking is useful, right? I'm not saying yeah. that thinking's a bad thing. You should never do it. And uh, you can control your actions with thought. Uh, it's just that it comes with some trade-offs, right? Mm -hmm. It takes a lot more effort. It's usually slower and it's usually less flexible. And mm -hmm. so it's very rigid programmed way of acting. And so mm -hmm. it sounds like through your training, you were able to develop a very high and precise level of that cognitive control. Mm. It just, like you said, it was hey, you controlled the, the shot really, really precisely. It was just slower and more effortful. It was just the, the way we were trained was always go to front sides, but yeah. realistically, you don't have time. In a gunfight, yeah. you just, so you get alignment and you fire at the center of the body because you just don't have time. Yeah. So as we, as we move forward, I'd love to do some training with citizens, right? Yeah. Mindset training with citizens. And I'd almost like to mimic what we did for the soft prep portions of it, right? right. I think there's, there's a course or there's content or there's, you know, digital format of, of, um, mental performance, physical performance, um, diet, some of the things we did over that. So if yeah. you, if you were going to, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. If you're going to do, I mean, you've been doing this for years. <laughs> it's you're in your flow state. So, um, if you're going to design a two hour block, mm -hmm. average citizens, right. Um, come on in, sit on and, and try to, uh, you know, get some information on how to mentally manage things during your day or whatever yeah. mental performance. What, what would that yeah. look like, you think? Yeah. So the first thing is like going back to what I said earlier, it's just uh, developing that awareness of, do you know when you get caught up in your own thought? Because if your mind is able to just sort of hijack your whole awareness and take it off to who knows where, uh, it's very hard to do anything else mm -hmm. with your mind. So you have to be able to just gain that awareness of when you lose control of mm -hmm. your mind more or less. And so that would be the first thing. And that, that would probably take at least half of that time. Cause it's, it sounds real simple to say, mm -hmm. but man, like our mind loves to go to other places. Yeah. It, it loves to think it's really good at thinking. And so it takes a bit of training to, to get yeah. it out of there. But then once you're uh, once you have your mind under, in you, uh, under control and you can realize that, all right, I have it plugged in to the present moment. I'm tuned in. The next step to me would be, uh, all right, now making sense of what you see. Are now uh, working with based on whatever performance goal you have, what are the important things in that performance? And then how to deal with the different stresses that could come up mm -hmm. once you're tuned in because performance is a stressful thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, some people think that, hey, you can just train yourself not to be stressed at all. And that's when you perform the best. But uh, so that would be the, the second piece is like, all right, if, uh, if we're plugged into the situation, we're starting to tune into the things that matter most. Now, what do I do when I start to get stressed out about mm -hmm. the things that I see and how do I manage uh, that experience? Yeah, that, that's the, like the PE you did with the numbers. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, we did, or Dan did a PE with a sheet with random numbers also, yeah. uh, not in any order. And then he said, okay, uh, everybody, I think you had everybody stand up. Yep. And then when you find the number, sit down. Yep. And then you throw a number 16. And then as people found it, they'd sit down and then... That you could see that the guys who were still standing, mm -hmm. the the more people that sat down, they're paying attention to that and yeah. not what they're doing. And it just got worse and worse and worse. I remember, man, I have so many useless memories in my head. That, that, <laughs> but I, I remember when I was at a Mid-South Shooting Academy years ago and they would, uh, they brought us up and they'd 
test this on a six plate rack, you know, mm-hmm. the six plate, uh, 12 inch plates, right? You shouldn't bang, 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 bang. And then you get up one at a time. And they had, do you ever see those little monkeys with the, with the symbol things yeah, that yeah. play, right? <laughs> and they had that off on one side and, and their whole thing was like, once you start missing and you have 30 people watching you, then you'll miss again and again yeah. and again and again. They call that having the monkey on your back. So once yep. you miss twice, <laughs> they'd hit the button and the monkey would start playing nice. the symbols. Awesome. And guys would just dump a mag at, yeah. at a, and these are good That's shots. Awesome. Like they dump a mag at a plate that they could hit in their sleep most of the time. And yeah. it just got worse and worse and worse. And everybody's laughing at them and it got worse and worse yep. and worse. Yeah, actually, but, yeah. I got to go to the Mid-South Institute uh, Did you? This, uh, back in December. And I was very impressed with some of the ways that they put pressure yes. on, uh, on the yeah. train. And yeah, it, it's, it's a very... Uh, it's a very common thing in the military yeah. and we've been doing it like since I was a freaking private and, yeah. and a lot of times I didn't understand why, yeah. but but it's to br- train the brain to deal yes. with outside factors, you know? Yes. And a very common one would be, okay, you're moving up in the assault. Uh, I remember doing this in Ireland one time we were, we were hitting a, a, an aircraft, retaking mm-hmm. a hijacked aircraft in training, right? And they brought us up and we had three hours before the hit went down and all of a sudden, bang, we got to go now. Right. And oh. you just put those external pressures on yeah. you and you're not ready. You haven't processed the whole plan and you got to go and you got to perform. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's a, uh, there's a lot riding on it, you know? So. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. interesting. Uh, Cause when I kickboxed, uh, mentally speaking, the, uh, the most difficult part of competition for me was the time between when you would show up in the morning to the, uh, the performance venue and weigh in, yeah. but then probably wouldn't compete for, couple hours mm-hmm. right and that that feeling of just sitting there waiting processing and it's just man mm-hmm. i just want to do this i've waited for, i've prepared for weeks to get into this and now mm-hmm. i'm just waiting i most of the time i could see the guy i was going to fight you know yeah. just, just yeah. across the just room just walk over like, and punch him <laughs> yeah, <here. laughs> like, Dude, let's just get this started <laughs> <laughs> so yeah just uh when the mind has time to uh to do its thing yeah. uh, that can really knock you off uh knock yeah. you off your game and so yeah. just the question becomes all right so when you have time like that to get ready to performance, what do you do with the content that your mind is generating what in can that you time? Do? So uh, there's a couple options, right? Uh, not all of them lead to the, the same outcome. Uh, I think the thing that people, too, that people try to do the most is they try to ignore that content or mm-hmm. control it and get rid of it, right? But uh, I'm not big fans of those because, yep, you might have some short-term or limited success, but now it takes a lot of effort, and now you're engaged in this battle with mm-hmm. your own mind rather than on whatever's going on in the performance. So mm-hmm. You spend two hours in a grappling match with your mind before going into an actual grappling match, you're gonna be a little bit more exhausted or mm-hmm. mentally fatigued mm-hmm. otherwise. And so the other option, um, this is the one I, I advocate for and try to train uh, individuals to, to learn how to do is uh, called, it's an acceptance based approach. And not the biggest fan of that word because it's not surrendering. I've, to I've, what's seen, going I've on. seen a pattern in what you've said already. I, yeah. I think, I think what, I, what I'm getting from you is these things are normal. Stress is normal. Yeah, you got to steer exactly. it. You got to steer it and manage it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And your mind loves to think that it can control everything, yeah. right? Like your mind loves to present to yourself that its ability to think is the right solution for everything. So yeah. it just wants to think its way out of everything. But, uh, you know, one of the greats in uh, sports psychology, uh, uh, Dr. Ken Revisa had a, a saying that uh, always really stuck with me where he said, uh, are you so shitty of a performer that you have to feel good in order in order to perform well? Mm-hmm. Uh, with the idea being like, yeah, I no, I, I I don't think I need to do that. Like I, mm-hmm. I can still perform really well even if I'm uncomfortable, even yeah. if there's some random thought in my mind, sort of doubting whatever's going on, or if uh, you know my heart rate's up a little yeah. bit. And so it really is about 
all right, hey, I, I don't need to feel good. Mm-hmm. Can I still do the right thing? That's, so a, I'm not that's a huge in. thing in special operations, yeah. right? Because honestly, we don't, I say we, I'm not even in there anymore. <laughs> they don't care yeah. how you perform on your best day. They want to see how you perform on your worst day. Yes. So as you train for that, if you're yeah. not training, if you're training with perfect conditions at all yeah. times, then you're really, really not preparing. You know, yes. people just don't get that. Exactly. Um, yeah, you got to be able to step up and perform on your worst day. Yeah, and going back to one of the, the very first questions about what changed coming out of school. And so I, in school, I, I looked into mindfulness a lot, and that's where I first really started studying it and exploring it. But uh, a lot of the techniques I learned were these very control-based techniques. Mm. Like, all right, how well can you control you know, your, your mental state or your mental environment and uh, put it into what's the I, you know, individual zone of optimal functioning or just, hey, there's this mythical, perfect state Mm. where if you can get there, then you can perform well. And uh, so going back to like the flow state example for a while, um, sort of a one type of thinking is like, all right, if I can get into flow state, then I perform well. Mm-hmm. Or if I can get into this right you know, zone of this emotional, right emotional state, then I can perform well. And it's all about controlling yourself before performance to get into that state to set you up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more I worked within the, at SWIC, I realized, no, it's it's not get into flow state, then perform well. It's start performing well, and you will get into flow state. Yeah. Start performing well, and you might feel good after it. But if you don't, if you don't get into flow state, if you don't feel well, doesn't matter. You're already performing where you need to be. So mm-hmm. it's not about controlling these dynamic, complex situations to feel a certain way before you can perform. Uh, because it, if that's what you're trying to do, then as soon as you are unable to get rid of that thought that keeps bugging you or get rid of the stress that you feel, your ability to perform goes out of land. Now you're wrapped up in your own thinking of, oh man, well, I can't, I can't relax. What's mm-hmm. wrong? You know, what, mm-hmm. what am I doing wrong? What's going to happen if I try to start performing unrelaxed? And now just more thinking comes in and all cascades mm-hmm. from there. So <clears throat> going full circle, like it started as a way to manage stress and manage mm-hmm. trauma and all that. Yeah. Um, have, have you guys looked into the things that mess with guys when they retire and mm-hmm. and um and, and and some of it makes sense like a lot of guys will just from my own personal experience right a lot of guys will uh, i i've said this before three things helped me when i retire right mm-hmm. number one i had a cool job to come to right off the get <laughs> I, I was working oh, yeah. here before i even retired right awesome. i don't take a week off i don't take a month off because i think that's that's a flawed thing for someone like me yep number two in the middle of all the combat tours I had, I got forced to go to, to sniper school and be an instructor right. for three years. Right. I didn't want to go. I <laughs> fought it and fought it and fought it. I want to stay on my team. Turned out to be a great tour. Right. Turned out to be an awesome time. But it, it, it forced me to take a knee yeah. and get out of the fight for a little while and, and be home. And then the third thing is I don't drink. So you get these guys who they perform at the tip of the spear for 20 years. And all yeah. of a sudden they retire. They go home. They're watching TV and they pour alcohol on top of it and they probably overthink everything and, right. and it does not lead to a good place. That's kind of my yeah. perception of it. Yeah, I, I personally never got uh, too involved with that. I know the, uh, I think the bigger army, like the uh, performance psychology uh, mm-hmm. consultants that work for there, um, I think there's a, it's called like warrior in transition mm-hmm. stuff. So whether it's due to retirement or injury, just people getting out of the military, they deal with some of these things. Mm-hmm. Just, hey, like how to, how to go into this new lifestyle uh, yeah, successfully. Yeah, it's a sense of purpose, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, in athletes or in sports, um, it's a big thing that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of sports psychology looks at also is just, all right, when 
your college career is over and you're no, not going to become a professional. Yeah. What if, or when you're a professional and you have a short career because yeah. you're done by the time you're especially 30. Think I don't about know how yeah. early in life a lot of athletes or even soldiers ex- adopt this identity of mm-hmm. being an athlete, being a soldier. And so if the whole personal identity is tied around this identity of participating in a certain performance context yeah. and then that goes away, mm-hmm. you're going to have it's really this like a identity crisis. Yeah, it right? really is. And so, it really um, is. Yeah, your world comes crashing down yeah, so all of a sudden. I never dealt with that uh personally and so i like, uh, mm. i don't know too much about some of the ways that they uh, try to address it the, the different challenges those practitioners face but i know it, it is a big issue of just hey uh, developing this idea of self uh that's bigger than the performance context right. that you performed in um one of the uh the guy that started the uh sports psychology program at university of utah uh, which is where i got my master's uh, his name was uh, keith henshin he uh, one of his big things he always said was uh Athletes are not special people. They are people with special skills. Mm-hmm. And so learning to identify more with, hey, I'm a person that can do these skills can be a really healthy way to sort of look at, um, you know, your life. And I think that applies to anyone. It does. Right? It, it, you're, I, you're I not tell your you job. Now, I, you know? uh, <laughs> I was talking to Andy Stump uh, a couple of months ago. I was on mm-hmm. his podcast and I was like, hey, people think special operations guys are like superhuman. You should see <laughs> me put furniture together. I think <laughs> it will bring me to tears, you know. Right. I, 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 they are high performing guys, right. but they, they, they deal with fear. They deal with, deal with stress. They deal with depression. They deal with anxiety. They deal with everything that, and in some cases more. Yeah. Because they're they're so self critical about yep. everything they don't do perfectly that it, yeah. it it just tears them apart, you know. Yeah. All right, guys, one more sponsor before we wrap up this podcast, and that is the Wild Alaskan Company. Wild Alaskan Company provides pretty damn awesome fresh frozen premium seafood. Now, guys, I eat a lot of seafood, and I'll tell you that you know having gone to Alaska multiple times. Um, it's a lot easier just to order it than to travel up there, catch it, package it, get it through the airport and get it back to your, your home before it thaws. So I would rather just use the wild Alaskan company throughout the year. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to go back to Alaska, but it's not always practical and it's a little expensive. So I would recommend that you guys check out the wild Alaskan company. If you want some really, really awesome seafood, please go to their site, wildalaskancompany.com forward slash fieldcraft. Use that coupon code. You'll get 15% off of your first box of premium seafood. And I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. So uh, check it out. I think you're going to find their seafood is legit, delicious, and you're going to want more. When, when you guys looked at, at study habits and, and language school, and yeah. uh, I, I know you guys worked at the Ethian Delta course and stuff yeah. like that, which is yeah. a very academically tough uh, block of instruction. Yeah. Uh, like other than kind of stopping your mind wandering, which I mm-hmm. imagine is a big one for, for studying. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you guys came up with that really helped? Yeah. So just the idea of uh, how do we retain information was mm-hmm. big, right? Because I think uh, your average person, especially your average soldier who might not have gone through a lot of, you know, higher education and you know, they might have graduated college and joined the army, mm-hmm. right? So they don't like sitting down for hours a night and reading through academic material is just Mm -hmm. a new thing for them. So I think the most intuitive way to try to study is bring up your information you need to to remember and you just read it as many times as you can until you get tested on it, right? Mm -hmm. And you hope that through all that repetition of reading it, that when test taking time comes, you can just regurgitate it all Mm -hmm. out. Um, 
to me, it feels like a lot like uh, running on a treadmill with a ruck where it's just like, you know, you start off with nothing in the ruck, but you're mm -hmm. just running. Each rep is another, you know, step forward and you're just loading up the ruck, loading up the ruck, hoping that you can hold that weight in your mind to dump it out. Well, mm -hmm. fortunately, uh, that a everyone that's ever tried that knows it takes a lot of effort. Right. It takes yeah. constant time. attention, time, time yep. effort. It's mm -hmm. draining. And it only results in very short term levels of uh, memorization. Basically, as soon as you stop repeating that information and you go and put your attention on something else, it, it falls away. You right? dump it. Pretty, yeah. pretty important information, yeah. especially at the Delta, right? For medics. Um, yeah. So yeah. You, you, in that sense, like that might be a strategy that allows you to get through the course by passing each test. Yeah. But by the time you're on to the next test, you forgot a lot what was on mm -hmm. the previous one. And so a lot of what we looked at was just, hey, what, how do you use your time more effectively to really not just repeat the information until you get tested on it, but to learn it so that mm. when now you've passed the 18 Delta course and now you're at Robin Sage, you know, their culmination exercise, do you still remember the things you learned in the 18 Delta course or have you forgotten a lot of it and now you need to use it, but now your performance is if you're, you know, week mm -hmm. one or week two mm -hmm. of the course. I, I remember uh, the medic on my team uh, cross-training us in medical stuff and he, yeah. he he had this phrase that they used there and I'm sure they didn't make it up, but it was see one, do one, teach one, right? Nice. You see yep. it once, you yep. do it once and then you teach it to somebody else once. Yep. And that way you, you know, they're, they're, teaching stuff is is a great way to memorize it, right? Yep. And and everybody learns information. And, and you know, I, I'd be interested in, and it's another podcast probably, but I'd be interested in how you guys tried to influence some of the courses because yeah. I know from experience, um, a, a lot of times, and I hope it's changed, but they try to think, teach you uh, what to think and not how to think, right? And the right. 18 Bravo course, right? I must have disassembled and assembled 300 weapons. Yes. And instead of teaching us um, how weapons function in a way that, that almost like an engineer would understand yes, exactly. how, how it is. So you could apply it to anything, right? They, they uh, teach you how to disassemble this gun and this gun and this gun. And for a week you do pistols and then you disassemble. <laughs> yeah. I remember I did the 1911, right? And the guns in, in school at the time were so worn out that you push two buttons, the whole thing falls apart, right? <laughs> right. And I went after the course, I went and bought a 1911 and I couldn't disassemble it. Oh, I was no. beating on it with a hammer. <laughs> I was like, damn, right? But they teach you, uh, what to think and not how to think, right? Yeah. And and it's just a flawed strategy. It gets you through the the course, but then you you'll uh, you'll you'll run up again against a weapon or or a piece of kit or or a, yeah. a, a situation that you weren't trained for specifically, and you're like, oh, okay, that I, you know, I don't know how to handle this, yeah. right? Yeah, the, the 18 Bravo course is a great example because uh, that was one of the ones that um, we we worked with a little bit on that exact idea of troubleshooting, mm. right? Because yes. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, if you can learn and practice assembly and disassembly in a way that just turns the weapons basically into a really complicated Lego set, yeah. right? Where it's yeah. just this rote procedure of putting things together, taking them apart in a certain way, mm -hmm. but you learn absolutely nothing about what those parts are or mm. why they're put together that way or why the order is. Mm. And so then what we would see is students would get pretty good at assembling and disassembling these weapons. They could do it under a certain time standard, but then fail troubleshooting. That's yes. because a lot of times what they would do is they would look at this weapon and they would try to troubleshoot it the way they learned to assemble and disassemble it, where basically just take it apart, put it back together, see if it works. Mm -hmm. And yeah. not always would yeah. they uncover the problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, really designing training to understand the why of right. what does this do? Why is this piece here? Mm -hmm. um, 
why is this the first thing we take what's apart? its function yeah. so when it, i feel i see i figure out why it's not working then yeah. i know and i'll give you a great example i learned hundreds of weapons right yeah. like the dish guys of russian 12.7 millimeter machine gun like a 50 cal right <laughs> yeah could disassemble and assemble that thing um but the, one of the first ranges I went to on my team, we were still using the Beretta 9 mils, okay. and the locking block broke on three of them. It is the piece that breaks more than any other piece on huh. any other gun in the world, right? right? right. And it's designed to do that, to, to protect the gun, right? But I didn't know how to replace it because nobody showed me, right? right? Whereas if I'd have known what, what the function was, and, and then I, I think it, it could be done better, right? And, yeah. and I'm not criticizing the Q course, right? Because it, it, it's, it was- It's a tough um, thing they're trying to do. It really is a tough thing. But if you don't look internally and try to do better at all yeah. times, then you're just screwing the next generation of soldiers over yeah. because, and you'll get that a lot. Well, this is the way I did it. Yeah. I hate that answer. I absolutely hate it. Yes. Um, you can always do better. You can always improve. And it's not about you. I, I Like when I when I ran sniper school, I, I changed some stuff there. Mm -hmm. And I had pushback initially. I said, look, it's not about you. It's about the, it's about the student. Yeah. It's about the next generation of shooters yeah. that we need, that, you know, in, in the fight. Um, but the, the brain is a fascinating yeah. subject. It really is. And, uh, and I will we, say that... Uh, each year that I was there, the, as time progressed, uh, the culture was changing. Mm -hmm. More and more of the, you know, course commanders or the cadre teaching it to, they really did appreciate the fact that like, hey, it just the way I did it was not necessarily the best way to train because those people were just training me on the way they did it and mm -hmm. so forth and so forth. So like, hey, I don't want to disregard personal experience about how mm -hmm. somebody was trained, but there there is a science to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, so we, we did start to get a lot of acceptance, both uh, in the like 18 Bravo on the MLS courses at the uh, small unit tactics phase at, at the uh, CQB mm -hmm. uh, schools. Um, mm -hmm. they, they really did start to appreciate like, all right, how do we do training to get what we want? Not just based on what has been done before. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the, yeah. That's the way it has always been done is, yeah. is a horrible answer. And, and I think as, as, once you're established and yeah. a new a new chain of command comes in and as as it turns over you're just you're part of the mechanism so they yeah. go oh okay you know it's not like you're fighting to get in once you're in yeah. and and you prove worth then then it, it's much easier to to uh once you you you, you push in the door you know yeah. what i mean and then then you flood in once you're in you know so um at the uh, at the warrior leader course man the after you left it was you know that course uh I did that my whole time there. You know, mm -hmm. it was the first course I got into and sort of started working with. And um, even now, the, the very similar program uh, Good. is going I'm, on. I'm glad. And, I was going to ask you if they shut it down after I left because sometimes no. that happens. Yeah, but uh, I think to, to the point you were just making, what, what ended up happening was, you know, we got so established during mm -hmm. while you were there that mm -hmm. as new cadre came in, because, you know, it's just one or twos at a time. It's not like the whole yes. cadre team changed. After a while, just the, the SOSEP train was just part of yep. the course you mm -hmm. know and so it was as new cadre came and just learned all right what happens at the word leader course it wasn't like oh there's all this and then there's so set yeah. it was part of the course and so the the buy-in happened from the beginning it was yeah. just part of the way things were done yeah not the separate add-on thing mm -hmm. and that, that's crucial that, yeah yeah mm -hmm. that was that's uh, been a really crucial relationship for that program because mm -hmm. get access to the soldiers as they're starting this 
this qualification course mm-hmm. and um just allowed us to start building that relationship in a, in a solid state from from the beginning yeah that's awesome um yeah. we're gonna do this again because this, sure. this is a fascinating subject man it really I could, is i could talk about this for yeah. i don't even want to put a time limit on it man it's a, i've been thinking about this for over a decade and uh, i could yeah. talk about it for even yeah. longer this is so. your world man yeah. you, you're talking about it in your flow state yeah exactly <laughs> but uh yeah i, I want to put together a class and i don't even know yeah. what to call it but it, it's like it's all the stuff because none of this stuff is athlete specific or, or special operations specific. No. It's, um, you know, mindset, mental performance, physical performance, diet. It's all yeah. life hacks, man. It's, it, it's yeah. all, and, and sometimes there's so much information out there. You don't know what to believe and what not to believe. I a hundred percent. And not just within mental performance, but the performance and wellness field or market as a whole, yeah. there's, so much out there and yeah. not all of it's real there's yeah. a lot of pseudoscience or people that are just selling things Opinions. that sound good and whatnot but it's <laughs> not based on any evidence right and so that's why i think you know the the mental performance training and performance enhancement as a whole like it is a solid profession yeah. and uh, it's worth it to find someone that has been specifically trained in it because yep. they can look at a claim and say all right, is this a, a sound good idea or is this an evidence-backed idea? And so yeah. like- but I, yeah. Not only trained in it, but has worked in it for, yeah. you know, 10 years or whatever you have, you know, um, every single day. <laughs> right, right. I've been very fortunate where I've uh, yeah. been able to find a profession where uh, for 40 hours a week, uh, honestly, more than 40 hours a yeah. week, uh, every mm-hmm. week I'm able to do something that I'm passionate about where mm-hmm. I'd be thinking about these and reading about these things, um, mm-hmm. even if I was, uh, you know, doing something like pushing pushing shopping carts at a grocery store yeah huh. yeah um you don't have your own llc yet do you not yet not yet you got to get there man i know i've uh it's something i've been planning for a while yeah. i just haven't uh i'm not a person that yeah paperwork in me don't uh hey you gotta focus so. man i know you gotta, i know <laughs> you gotta train your brain yeah. yeah um hey dan thanks for coming in man that was awesome yeah, let's do it fun. again and let's sure. put some training together for sure man okay for sure. um all right that's it until the next time stay alert stay alert.